Get them. Bring your Bibles to church. It's important. Keep it with you on the kitchen table, in your car. Take it with you everywhere. We've got to get this inside of us and let it change us. Um, we're so glad that each and every one of you are here. Don't forget, next week, bring your chairs. It's Family Fest. We're going to pack it out on the front lawn. We're going to worship. We're going to let Homestead know that Jesus is king, and we're going to have a blast. It's going to be an amazing time. Bring some friends with you, and it's going to be great. But don't forget a chair because you're going to be standing up. And uh, take it from me. I stand up all Sunday, every Sunday, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be good if you brought a chair. Listen, we've been in this series, and it's been great, but we are just at the beginning of something. And I've got to just charge through this today. I had a path forward, I thought, through the first service. Didn't quite get there, but the Lord knows where we need to be. Uh, let me just give you the recap, but if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 2. We left off last week, but I'll, I'll get us caught up. God was very comfortable in heaven, made man for his glory, put Adam and Eve in the garden, met with them, walked with them, talked with them, enjoyed time together. Adam and Eve broke it through sin. Uh, it needed to be restored. It needed to be redeemed. And the whole point as we read scripture, if you're going to read it, E.W. Kenyon said you should read it in light of redemption. And how that you read it, it says that he is buying you back, that he wants you back, that he has done so much just to get you back into right relationship with him. So when you read it, read it like that. So some people read the Bible and they say things like, wow, God is, God is, he's, he's just angry all the time and, and murderous and Man, I'm like, man, you don't understand the scripture. You don't know how to read the, read, read the Bible. Because when I read it, I read it, it's full of love and redemption and buyback. And I'm so thankful for that love. Well, well, God sent his son Jesus to fix it, the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus came, and it says he lived a perfect life. He walked this earth. He was tempted in all ways like we are, but without sin. That means he didn't do anything wrong. The same stuff that comes at you came in him, and he was able to push it off and live a perfect life to become the perfect sacrifice, to die a horrific death on the cross, to go to the grave, but thank God he didn't stay there, amen? That he rose again in total victory for you and for me. And when he rose again in victory, he had had this group with him for three years, fishermen, tax collectors, doctors, they were all just, a, we called them a ragtag, motley crew group of people that he gathered together. They said, you're my disciples. He taught them. They called him rabbi and teacher and friend. And they walked with him and they traveled with him and they ate with him. And they saw him do incredible miracles. And really, they laid down their life to follow their savior, teacher, and friend. And when he died, there must have been some kind of process that they went through. Is that it? That was my investment. It's gone. But for, it didn't stay for very long. He came again and told a victory. And it says that he showed himself over and over again to people that he was very much alive and well. And he did ministry. And he gathered with them. And the last place we saw a few weeks ago was them gathered on the mountaintop, the Mount of Olives. And he, he's telling them, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want, I want you to wait for the promise, the promise that he had really broke down for them. In John chapter 14 and some in 15 and 16, you can go back there and read. He said, I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the God who walks alongside with you. It's going to be better for you if I go. And then as they're standing on the mountaintop, he ascends into heaven. He's into the exaltation. He goes up and sits at the right hand of the Father and the disciples 
stand there looking, and the two guys in the white robes say, what are you doing here? Go! And so they go back to Jerusalem, and they do exactly what they're supposed to do. They wait. They wait for the promise. And he had told them in 1.8, and I ask you to memorize this verse. He said, before he ascended into heaven, he said, you will receive power. You will receive what? Power. One more time. Power. You will receive power after that. The Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Right? So you're going to have the power to witness. Not just eyeball witness, but vocalize what you have seen and heard and experienced. This is important because nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. Nobody can testify to your story like you can. So you need to tell it. So they go back. They begin this process of waiting. They go to Jerusalem. They wait and they pray and they unite for 10 days waiting on the dispensing of the Holy Spirit. And it says when they were all in one accord, united, God delivered the Holy Spirit to them. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not like had a little added added something to them no they were filled to overflowing it says they were spoken tongues and for some of you that's very jarring when you read it and i asked you last week how many of you know what speaking in tongues looks like or have seen it let me see your hands um how many of you are scared of it let me see your hands not too many of a few of you okay um most most are scared of it because they don't understand it or maybe they've they've seen it out of, out of order god is a god of order but if it's in scripture it's good for us. We might not understand everything in Scripture, but if it's in Scripture, God thought it necessary for us to have it. And when God says, I have gifts for you, I don't know about you, I want all the gifts. I don't want some gifts, right? I want all the gifts that he has for us. So we're, he, he, he dispenses onto them, and they, they're, they're speaking, and all of a sudden people begin to hear in their own languages the goodness of God being proclaimed. Been, they, they hear it and they're like, what is this? And then you always have a couple people, and this is where we left off last week. We said, these guys are just drunk. These guys are just drunk. And we know that wasn't the case. We know they just didn't understand a couple of things. So let's jump in here as we see Simon Peter jump up and address the crowd. Verse 14. It says, then Peter stepped forward with 11 other apostles. And shouted to the crowd. I like that he shouted. I'm a shouter. Some of you think I talk too much. That's all right. I do. Um, he says, listen carefully. The title of today's message is Listen Up. All of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Make no mistake about it. In today's vernacular, we would say, don't get it twisted right? Don't mess it up. We need to be very, very clear about this thing. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. How many of you feel like Simon Peter had a little bit of sarcasm in there? I just feel like he had a little bit in that, hey, you know what? Nine o'clock, it's crazy. It's nine o'clock. You know they're not drunk, but something happens in him. And you know why Peter was able to do this with such confidence? You know why he didn't murmur under his breath that, that God is good and that Jesus is okay and that you should come to church with him? No, he, he shouted to them, make no mistake about this. You know why? Because he had been filled with power. And po powerful people, people empowered, act different. 
And if you will realize that you, are, you have power in the, in, through the Holy Spirit, you will live differently. You will walk differently. You'll act differently. It'll change your whole attitude. So, so Peter began with the rebuttal of the accusations against their uh, inebriation. But he goes on to tell something here in verse 16. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I had a dream the other day. I don't dream very often, or at least I don't remember them. And somebody said, you know what that means? And I think, I think you're referring to Joel chapter 2, where it says, old men have dreams <laughs> somewhere along the line <laughs> maybe the visions are getting less and the dreams are getting older nevertheless God is speaking to his people he is speaking to the ones willing to listen the ones who will give an ear the ones who will get quiet and spend some time with him God is dispensing these things into them he says in verse 18 in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and the signs on earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the, that great and glorious day the Lord arrives. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that's good news, church. Because he goes, that, that list gets a little scary if you start thinking about it, right? To, to cause the wonders in the heavens above and then the, the blood and the fire and the clouds of smoke. That starts getting a little bit wild. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a name. <laughs> There's a name. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, nobody's calling my name for saving. Nobody's calling any president or king or magistrate or local officials for saving. There is only one name where you can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus, church. Don't get it twisted. Make no mistake about this. He says in verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. I think sometimes we're like Adam sinned and Eve got deceived and, you know, them and these people and the Israelites and the disciples. And I would have been better. Well, you're not better. We're just people. People make mistakes, and we slip up, and we sin, and nobody has it all together. Not one person. The Bible's very clear about that for how many have sinned. All. All of you. Right? So if you've ever cheated, how many of you ever cheated? Let me see your hands. You, you cheaters, let me see your hands. How many of you ever lied? Let me see your hands. Right? How many of you ever stole something? So by your own admission, you're lying, cheating thieves. Right? You need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We've all been guilty of this stuff, right? Everybody, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, but, but God has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We have access to peace. We have access to redemption, the buyback, because of the great plan 
of God. And it was prearranged. God knows what's going to happen. Verse 24 said, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Satan thought he won. He grabbed him. He's like, I got a hold of this. Like he had a grip for a minute, for a couple days, right? But he couldn't, we sing the song, death couldn't hold him, right? The veil tore before him, right? we, We know what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is, all of this wonderful stuff. But it's not just a song, it's biblical truth that the the grave could not hold him. There no big rock, no centurion guards, no anything, no plan of Pilate or anybody was going to keep him. I love here that it says the horrors of death. In one version, it says the pains, like birthing pains. And I think that's interesting because through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, what do we have access to? New life. We are birthed to new life. You must be born again. So because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is some pains that are happening in your life. Some things have to go, and the new life of Jesus has to come, and it's absolutely incredible. And I love, by the way, that Simon Peter uses the word to unpack the word, right? Some of you have people you're trying to witness to, but you're trying to use too much of your own words. You need to use the word of God. Some of you are like, oh, I don't use the word of God because they don't believe it. What? That's crazy town. Use the word of God. It's a sword. It cuts to the heart. And you're like, well, they don't believe it. So what? Keep telling it to them. Put it in a different version. Put it in modern vernacular. Whatever you got to do, get the word. Keep telling to them. And I, I hear a lot of like modern day philosophers and they say things and it sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said. And they're trying to put their stamp on it like they said that. Well, you didn't say that. Jesus said that thousands of years ago. What's your problem? You just stole that from the Bible. Say you don't believe in Jesus and then you're using his words. It doesn't even make any sense. But Simon Peter opened up the word with these guys, probably an uneducated man. And he breaks it down like this again. He says in verse 25, King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad. I preached a message one time. It was called No Wonder. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. And what Peter is telling these guys is like, you're all gathered here. It's the, it's the feast, the, the day of atonement, the feasts that are going on. Everybody's looking for something, just like all of you guys are looking for something. A lot of you are like, what's my purpose? What's the plan? And Simon Peter is saying to them, hey, make no mistake about this. King David wrote it down, and I'm telling you very clearly, he will make known to you the path of life. The path of life is never apart from God. The path of life is absolutely right in the middle of God's plan. That's what he has for you. So if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for life, it's him. It's his path. You've got to get on the path of righteousness. God, help us. His blessings will pour out on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for his name's sake. That's where the blessing will come out. If we hunger and thirst, and you will find joy in the presence. Now, Simon Peter is quoting from Psalm 16 here. A beautiful psalm. You should go back and read it this week. But you will fill me. Your path, listen clearly, your path is with Jesus. 
You can't be on two paths. You cannot be on two paths. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You cannot be on two paths. It doesn't work that way. Verse 29, let me just read for a minute. He said, dear brothers and sisters, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. David wasn't talking about himself. But you know why? Because he died and was buried. And his tomb is still here among us. David's still dead. He's not Jesus, right? But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit upon the throne. David was looking into the future, verse 31 says, and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection, he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He is exalted. We already told you there was an exaltation of Jesus. He's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father as he has promised, gave the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see here today. Now, it tells us very clearly that God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit to pour out on us. You need Jesus in your life. Jesus will dispense into you the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're looking just trying to get through life today, if that's all you want to do, you're probably going to do that. It's going to be a little difficult but if you are truly looking for things that the world cannot give you, it's got to be with Jesus. And it's got to be with the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that it works. Otherwise, you're just going to keep grinding it out. You're just going to keep doing the thing. It's going to be a, like I'm pretty good today, and I feel like I'm a wreck tomorrow. And it just it never ends. It's this cycle of behavior, falling in, fighting with your spouse, fighting with your kids, fighting it out with your boss, just yelling at everybody, getting mad all the time. It's never, you're never going to live in the joy of the Lord. You're never going to have the peace of God because you cannot access peace off the path of life that God has for you. You cannot. You can have happiness. I'll give you a million dollars. You feel pretty happy right now. When I take it away, you'll be even less happy than, <laughs> than when I just gave it to you. That's how it happens. And the people who have lived at the highest level, I've listened to people who have lived at the highest level of wealth. I heard a man say one time, he said, if I had to stay in a regular hotel, I would be less happy than a guy who just had his leg amputated. I thought, my God, what's wrong with us? But that's what society has done to us. Because there's no peace in those things. There's only momentary blips of happiness. I don't want to, I don't, I don't care about being happy. You know what I want? I want the joy of the Lord in my life. Because you can take my happiness, but you can't take my joy. Nothing can steal the joy of the Lord. And so we see Simon Peter, he's operating from this. This is the place from, from which he is speaking. I was with Jesus. He died. I thought it was over. And he rose again. And I'm like, I've been on this journey. This is Simon Peter now. He's been on this journey from like, I believe you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. Then you died. I'm like kind of shook a little bit, but you rose again, and I feel like, whoa, you're back. And then, whoa, you went to heaven, and I, I'm believing more, more than I did before, right? And so I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to wait. Now I'm empowered. Am I perfect? No, but I'm empowered. And that changed this thing, and just as the apostles were witnesses to the, the resurrection, the Jewish crowd was also 
some sort of witness to this, and now they're seeing the witnessing of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And he's telling them, this is what's happening. You better get it right. It says in verse 34, for David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of high honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now, if you've been around this church at all, you've heard me say this a thousand times, and I'll say it more because it's so true, and it's even probably more true for most people than it's ever been. Everybody wants a Savior. Very, very few people want a Lord. Everybody wants to be saved. I'm in trouble? Save me. Everybody. As soon as I get in trouble, oh, let me call. Because I got God on speed dial. God, don't you know that I got problems down here? Right? You ever seen that meme where he's calling? He's like, I'm just calling the Lord, telling him that these weapons are down here trying to prosper against me. <laughs> Some of you know your Bible. <laughs> it's like, but, but that's how it is. But, but I don't just need a Savior. I do. I need a savior, but you know what? I need a Lord. I need a Lord. I need to understand kingdom. It's not my kingdom. I have a family. I have, I have friends. I, I'm the, uh, the pastor, the shepherd of this church, but it's not my, it is God's. And so as I understand that he is the Lord of my life, right, that it is his kingdom that is being established. It is established and being established, and he allows me to be part of it for the growth so that we can enlarge the tent stakes, so that we can put them out in my bam, bam, and, and let God do his thing, and it becomes something beautiful, just like Simon Peter. It wasn't just for him. You think that God wants to just use a crazy fisherman? That's it? You think that God wants to just use his life? No, he wants to use all of us. But we've got to get on the path. And we've got to understand the promise. And Peter here is he's preaching, listen, with such clarity. Make no mistake about this. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Let it be, be clear about this, right? And this is, I, I, I say a lot of stuff up here. I talk. I say a lot of words every Sunday. And, but but, but when, I, when I die, probably in just a few short years, they're going to they're gonna put me up in front of people and people are going to say things about me, but I don't care if they say he played pickleball with his wife. <laughs> By the way, I have plans to watch baseball. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I thought she was going to watch baseball with me, so, oh, I'm playing pickleball. I got it. <laughs> uh, but one thing I want to I make clear is that I preach Jesus. That I preach Jesus. In this room with you guys on Sunday and on Mondays with the staff and at the gas station, right, and at Publix, right, and at El Presidente. I shop, I shop over there. I'll get a chicharron and eat the whole time I'm shopping. I don't even care. Like a big one, too. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm hungry. What do you want? When in Rome, do as the Romans. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're here 
it says that he's preaching such clarity that it says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. Man. Since they said to him, brothers, what should we do? Anybody in sales knows about the clothes, right? Right? You have to close. You have to close the deal. You, have to, you, you can get it all the way up there, but if you, if you don't make the ask, what then? I just want to tell you about the goodness of God, and he's so good, and everything is wonderful. He's really changed my life. Have a blessed day. People are like, okay. Like what, what, like, what about me? You know how many people are out there watching your post? Like, I checked in at LifePoint. Here's my little blip. Here's my little story, my little boomerang on Instagram from LifePoint. And they're going like, what about me? They're waiting on you. Not everybody. Some people are going to be like, ah, you're crazy. Christianity is for the weak. I said, absolutely it's for the weak. I need Jesus. I can't walk without him. I can't talk without him. I don't know about you. I look at your life. Your life's a wreck. You need him too. But it pierced their hearts and they're like, they're... They, they actually go in for the clothes. That's how, that's how effectively he ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he didn't even have to ask for the clothes. They asked for it. What's next? <laughs> like, where do we go from here? What's the next step? Let me, let me, let me go. And if you're, if you're going to tell me something, if you're going to tell me about Jesus, you better believe it. Like, you better believe it. You better say it convincingly. Here's what you don't know. That your testimony of the goodness of God is a lot more powerful than you think it is. A lot more powerful than you think it is. Here's what Peter said. Stand with me real quick, please. Last verse. Simon Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Let's stop there for a second. Repent is like a military term. It really means like about face. That's what it means. Right? I was over here doing my thing, just operating in the world, sin, uh, just, just doing, doing my stuff. But now, I'm. what does it say to do there? Repent, to turn away, to do an about face, and what? Go to God. Turn to God because God is, God is not going to be a part. He's not going to share you with this sinful world. He's not going to share you with sinful activity. He's not going to do that. So you've got to turn. You've got to do an about face, and you've got to go towards God. Repent. This is clear. This is very, very clear. And this is some, somewhere along the line we, we left this, and then we said, just pray the prayer. And the, pra the prayer is important. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. I believe that you did this for me, that you died. I believe that's important. But repenting is important too. About face is, is important. It's crucial. It's paramount. And I've told you before, one of the saddest things that I do here at this church, I mean the most disheartening will break me down and will send me home and, and make me just process up is when I rebaptize people. I hate it. And you say, well, it's supposed to be joyous. I'm like, well, it was joyous the first time. 
What happened from here to, oh, we're alive in Christ to, man, I really need, I mean, I've been living like a crazy person. Can you baptize me again? Now I'm going to do it, and I'm going to rejoice with that God pulled you out of hell. I'm going to do that. But why can't we just repent and turn to God because he's making known to you the path of life? The path of, your path of life is not in this, this craziness. He says, if you will turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now listen, if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. And we take it seriously here. It's not a photo opportunity for you. You're going to have to go through a class. You're going to have to listen. And we want you to understand what's happening so I don't rebaptize you in six months. He says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a little confusing for someone like, oh, like I've been in church for a long time. Do I have the Holy Spirit? I'm like, yes. Yes, you do. But the good thing about God is that there's always more of him to have because he is omniscient and he is omnipotent. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He's all powerful all at once. And if he really is all, there will always be more of him to be had. Amen? How many of you want more of the Lord in your life, more of the Holy Spirit? Bow your heads with me, please. for a second. Father, thank you for your love for us. You know, sometimes we make a mess of things and you just continue to love us. Continue to care. Pull us out of darkness into your marvelous light. There's nothing like it. Listen, I know nobody's looking around in this room right now. We, we got to get this moment right. I don't just need you to. I don't need you to just pray a prayer today. We're gonna pray a prayer, but I need you to. If you need to repent today. He said, I've got some things in my life that don't belong there. I've been trying to, to walk two paths, and it's, I'm really not walking. I'm just walking one path away from God, and I want to fix that today. I want to repent, and I want to turn to God. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking. I see a bunch of hands in this place. You can put them down. Pray this simple prayer with me. We often do. I want you to pray it from the depths of your heart. And in a minute, I want you to walk out of here, and I want you to be forever changed by the power of his love, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Pray it with me. Father, I believe. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now be the Lord of my life run the show. Have your way. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to be a witness for you. I repent and I turn towards you, God. Father, I thank you again for your great love. Lord, it's not by accident who was in this room today. You knew exactly who would be here. 
from all of eternity, you knew who would be in here. So Lord, we surrender to your will, we surrender to your way, and we ask that you would help us. Help us, empower us to live for you. No more, no more drifting off. No more wondering if we're saved or not. God, we're just going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I pray for a, a deep hunger for your word that we will get it inside of you and it will continue to transform us, change our hearts, change our minds, make us more like you, Jesus. Send us out as great preachers of your word. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you for the heart change today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church? Let me tell you just a couple things. Lord willing, we'll continue this next week. I, I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be one big service. It's going to be crazy outside. Bring your chair. Bring your sunscreen. Bring a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Bring a bunch of people. How many are you bringing somebody with you next week? That ain't going to work. How many are you bringing somebody with you next week? Right? It's going to be fun. Pastor Victor's going to be in the dunk tank, so it's going to be great. He's hollering back there. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we love you guys. If nobody ever told you they love you, I love you, and God loves you, and you have what it takes because you have him. Let's pray our benediction together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Love you guys.